This season of Crucial Tech is brought to you by Safety National Insurance. Safety National Cyber Insurance protects large organizations against network security and privacy risks, reimbursing damages and financial loss arising from accidental or malicious incidents to computer networks, software, and data. Coverage options address various risks ranging from liability, business interruption, reputational harm, penalties, and more. Visit safetynational.com for additional details. This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects us all, but most of us don't understand. Presented in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. So let's get to it. Hi, this is Lou Covey with Crucial Tech, and we got the entire Cyber Protection Magazine crew on this call with uh, Patrick Bloch in uh, Germany and Joe Vasquez in Texas. And we're talking about the most dangerous people on the Internet. Now, the reason we're talking about this is that a a few weeks ago, uh, back in December, Wired Magazine published uh, has does this thing annually where they put out a list of what they call the most dangerous people on the Internet. And uh, they chose as individuals Elon Musk and Donald Trump and Sam Altman. But then they also chose the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, Volt Typhoon, Sandworm, Hamas, uh, Alf V uh, and, and Klopp. Uh, so essentially, they chose um, people involved, the people involved in the Israeli conflict, and uh, ransomware groups. And, and that seems to be the most obvious thing to say. But we've got some different ideas. And Patrick, why don't you take it away? Who do you think is the most dangerous people on the internet? If I had to pick one individual, I'd go for Peter Thiel. Wow. Um, yeah. The reason, the reason that I mean, he's a he's a big investor, probably the most important investor in Silicon Valley, Valley which also translates being the most uh, or one of the most important investors in the world when it comes to tech. And uh, his views are, well, let's put it, uh, uh, well, you know, I, I don't I don't agree with that views the views that he has and. Um, that's actually that's actually also my 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 uh, my point um, because not only his personal opinions is what I'm uh, what I have a problem with or what I think makes him very dangerous, but he represents um, some of the uh, concepts and philosophies of uh, quite a few people apparently in in Silicon Valley, uh, things like long termism I think it's called and. Um, yeah, so so uh, he, he's also financing some of the right-wing uh, groups in the States uh, and probably uh, also in other parts of the world. So I think his influence sort of, uh, you know, behind the curtain uh, is uh, what makes him dangerous because he's not as prominent as, for example, the people listed uh, from, from Wired Magazine. Okay. Uh, what, what is this long-termerism? Um, it, it's essentially, uh, I think, uh, um, it's 
you know, making sure the human race survives in the long run, which mm. obviously is a great goal. Um, but for the sort of hardcore long-termism people, um, that also means that, you know, they're willing to sacrifice anything in the short term. And that's what makes it dangerous from my point of view. Yeah, and it kind of changes the impact of the long-term uh, solution. Because, yeah. you know, if you've kill, killed most of the planet by the, the, the time the long-term solution comes in, you've uh, pretty much ruined your own jo uh, purpose. And, and that's, that's basically what they're saying. I think like climate change is a topic which they have on their agenda. But for them, it, it, it obviously, it also means saving the planet. But it means, well, if we can save the planet uh, so it can, we can still live on it in 100 years, we might have to kill a billion people now. Yeah. So what? <laughs> and then you have people like you know, Peter Thiel and uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Mark Zuckerberg who are building uh, bunkers and, uh, and, and ships that can uh, maintain themselves out of the seas and... Uh, so they can stay alive after everybody else is drowning in the water. <laughs> yeah, and they all build that in New Zealand, I heard. Okay, and anything else other than, other than rapacious um, venture capitalists? Uh, yes, but not an individual, though. But I think uh, generative AI uh, will become, I mean, it's, it's already a problem, but it will become a, a, a much bigger problem when the technology uh, evolves. And that's uh, right now, it's because of the uh, hallucinations those generative AIs have. And, you know, people using it, they might not know that it's, uh, that they're hallucinating. Um, but even worse, if you look, uh, it's possible now, but if you look like, I don't know, you probably only a year into the future, things like deep fake audio and deep fake, deep fake video, that will, that will become a really big problem. Not only because you can do it, but if you look at the, um, uh, the upcoming election in the States in, in, in November, um, if some video of Trump shows up and, and you know, of him doing something stupid, well, okay, that's essentially every video he does, but <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he can always say, nah, that's deep, you know. So, yeah. And, you know, it's, that, that, that is the, pro the problem with long-termism. Uh, because it, yeah, the, the whole thing about uh, the growth of this industry was summed up by Sam Altman at, at the uh, the conference he was at in San Francisco, um, where he said, the first thing we got to do is build it. And then we got to figure out what to do with it. And then we can figure out how to make it safe. You know, and, you know that, that sounds to me like ready, fire, aim. Yeah, a little backwards. So, okay, so we've got uh, Peter Thiel, and let's kind of lump, uh, the other VCs underneath him, um, generative AI, and I think you're probably talking about the long, the general generative AI, not necessarily yeah. the, the, the the individual uh, applications of AI, because that's been around for a long time. Uh, yes, so, yes. Joe, what what do you got? Yeah, I, you know, it actually mine piggybacks a lot of uh, Patrick's last one there, AI. But for me, in general, it was really hard to pick one person. It's more of a trend, and it's a trend that there's a lot of people involved in. 
for me, it's, uh, I guess I would use the word deception, right? Deception in these days. Uh, some people, you know, there's, there's different versions, whether intentional or unintentional. And I think it's just become very, very dangerous. Uh, there are nation state actors, there are individual people. But in general, you know, I've talked to you about this a lot of times, just uh, there are other parallels, right? I think our publication obviously is focused on security. And I have often said, I think one of the biggest problems with security is that it gets too complicated. And when it gets complicated, people say, uh, forget it. I'm going to assume my information's already out there and I'm going to find other ways to just keep an eye on it, right? Uh, I think that we're, we're coming to that stage of the same thing with, with uh, deception, which is people they either don't have the time or don't want to put the energy in to fact-checking things, to making sure things are true before they share them. Uh, and I think there's absolutely zero barrier to entry for anyone to do this. They can literally find something that they know to be true, simply say, I'm going to put out an article or an opinion in the other direction and do that, right? And that takes hold and, and takes off. And I think that what Patrick was saying with AI, you know, the barrier gets even lower, right? At that point, you don't even need people to do that. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge problem because at some point it's just human nature. Uh, I'll say nature in general, right? We all know water takes the least path, the least resistance to go down a hill. Uh, people in general, I think, will tend to give up uh, when they have to do the work to um, dig these things out and figure them out. And uh, I think that's a huge problem. That, that's a good one. And I think uh, I'm, I got to jump in here with mine. And I, I think what I've got kind of bounces off of both of you guys in a positive way. Because my first group that I want to identify or the, the group that I want to identify is the SEO industry. I mean, the, the SEO industry is as important as it is to marketing and advertising and communication and making sure your websites are working right it's primarily dedicated to gaming the system i mean you know, google started this thing you know you could have keywords and you could uh to help boost uh, your your readership on, on the internet but seo is all about fooling people into into finding things and it's gotten to the point where you're doing a google search where the first two pages are virtually useless for you because we, we know for a fact that the first seven are always going to be paid for. So you may be looking for it, but there could be keywords in there that drove that you to that. Uh, for example, when uh, we were first building our website for the uh, PR firm that I was at 20 years ago, uh, we got a call from an SEO guy. I'd never heard of SEO before, which is search engine optimization for those who don't know what it is. And they said, here's, how, here's a, a free lesson on how you can boost your, your traffic. Put the words Barack Obama in your keywords. I went, why? It's because Barack Obama is the most searched term in the Internet. But we don't do anything about politics. We're a public relations firm. Yeah, but it'll get more people coming to your site. So that was essentially a, a and, and we didn't do it, by the way, uh, but it is a deceptive way of boosting your traffic. And that is integral to what generative AI uses as information. They scrape the Internet, and it's not necessarily about what it is you're talking about. That's where the hallucinations come from. Uh, and 
it, 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 it's what I call an enabling technology. Uh, and I think, I don't think that's good. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you've, you've got to be able to, to have some sort of surety that what you're searching for, you're actually coming up with. And SEO makes it difficult, for, if not impossible, to actually do that. So I'm actually naming them as, from an organizational standpoint, I think SEO is more dangerous than uh, ransomware groups or or Peter Thiel or, or or VCs because they enable the process of deceiving people. Now that's that's just on a group, but from an individual standpoint, I I had a hard time. Um, choosing between one of two people, either Suntar Pichai, the uh, CEO of Google, or Mark Zuckerberg. And the reason I'm looking at that, again, is because they, too, are enablers. Those companies know that they're being used to spread disinformation, and they're using a very weak argument about freedom of speech to justify that action. But I think in Sundar's uh, position, Alphabet is just way too big for him to actually have any control over what's going on in all of the various areas that they're doing. Because uh, you, uh, uh, the, you've got Google, you've got YouTube, you've got the advertising, you've got all of this stuff going on under Alphabet. And I think Sundar has kind of lost control of it. So he's not necessarily the most dangerous person. But Mark Zuckerberg, yeah, I don't know. I think he just might be the most dangerous person on the internet simply because he doesn't take the same road as Elon Musk does. He doesn't build himself up as as a major source. He doesn't say he hardly says anything about you know I've read his his stuff and it's a bunch of gobbledygook that doesn't say anything. But he keeps a low profile as opposed to Elon Musk. But the face, but Meta, the reach that Meta has through Facebook and through Instagram and through everything else that they're doing, it's massive. It's so much bigger than what Elon Musk is doing on X. It's bigger than what uh, Alphabet is doing, even with YouTube. And he knows it. He, he's been given that information again and again but he refuses to do anything substantial about it because it might interfere with his money. And that's why I call him the most dangerous man on the internet. Yeah, I think between the two choices, I would agree that Mark Zuckerberg is a lot more dangerous. Yeah, well, yeah, for mainly the same reason that you. The, the only question I have is, you know, uh, is he keeping a low profile um, just because he can, or is he keeping a low profile because somebody else has taken over in the meantime? Uh, I actually think uh, he's doing it because he can, because he, you know, you know it's the old uh, Asian proverb: the, the the nail that sticks out will be hammered down. And got to admit, Elon Musk is getting hammered. <laughs> Uh, not only oh, yeah. not only by the people that don't like him, but he's getting hammered on a regular basis with illegal drugs and alcohol. So, um, yeah, his his problem, Elon Musk's problem, is 
yes, he, he's a horrible human being, but he's he's also he's an addict. He has got mental problems and I can't necessarily dislike him because of that. But Mark Zuckerberg, he he is a health nut. He doesn't do drugs. He just makes a lot of money off the pain and suffering of the, of the world. Joe, you got any input on that? I mean, I really, I, I, I can't even, I'm trying to, I can't follow up with that. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a period on the end of statement. So <laughs> there's not much left to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I want to end this on a positive note. I was thinking about this this morning and I wanted to call out people that are doing God's work in making the internet safe again. And the first one, the, the one individual I want to name out is Jamie Nandini. She is the CEO of a nonprofit organization called Check My Ads. And she first came to prominence when she organized a boycott of Tucker Carlson's show on Fox that got just about every advertising other than people selling boner pills and pillows uh, on, uh, on his, his website, uh, on, on his show. And she was the one that got started taking him down. And in, in the years that have come after that, she has gone after absolutely everybody. Uh, she works primarily with uh, companies in the ad tech space, which uh, companies will hire these, uh, these, these companies to spread their ads over social media and, and the Internet. But they don't necessarily know where they go. So that's why some... Companies that we might think, you know, well, these are good guys. Why are they advertising on InfoWars? Well, they didn't know because the ad tech companies were pushing their ads out to all these different places. And they could only stop it when they were made aware of where their ads were showing up, which is what Jamie's been doing for the past few years. And uh, she was also instrumental in taking down Alex Jones and InfoWars. Uh, so I just want to give a shout out to her. I think she's doing a great work there. And the other one I wanted to mention was the Mozilla Foundation. Uh, we've reported on their privacy not included list that they put out every year before Christmas, which is a great service. But they're doing a lot of stuff under the radar to make the Internet safe again. And one of the things they've just recently spun out is an open source company called Open Measures. and that it, it's it's limited in its scope um, because what it does it takes a look at the normal sources sources of misinformation or disinformation. And let's let's make that differentiation. Disinformation is information that is intentionally created and distributed, and the distributor knows it's wrong. Misinformation is when somebody receives that dis disinformation and believes it, and they start to share it. So what uh, Mozilla's done is put together this website at Open Measures where you can use uh, the tools to determine from a, about a dozen different sources, including Truth Social and Gab and Infowars and that sort of thing. And you can type in a phrase or a name uh, of something that you know might be uh, wrong or that you, you, you've actually determined is wrong. I was doing playing with it yesterday. And it will show where it originated within those 12 uh, units or whether they are they are sharing that stuff, how often they do it. And uh, uh, 
I, I just want to give that shout out to Mozilla because they're thinking outside the box on how to solve the problems of the internet. So those are my two. Anybody got some So, Lou, if, if anyone's looking to kind of verify information like that, what's the, do you know the website for them to go yeah. check that out where you were? Openmeasures.io. Perfect. I think that's good. So anybody, anybody else got something to shout out to? Uh, I have, I take two groups uh, as well. One is the Chaos Computer Club, Club over here in Germany. And they're a bunch of hackers slash activists, and they, uh, you know, they point out everyone, every company or individual or group which does something dangerous, insecure, or what, what have you uh, on the internet. And you know, uh, obviously they're most active over here in Germany or Europe, um, but they've been uh, sort of uncovering a lot of things, which then eventually led to. Uh, hopefully better security or, or data privacy. They, they're also looking into data privacy Excellent. Um, a lot. Um, and the other pretty large group I'd like to mention is the open source community. Uh, because I think, you know, hardly any software, uh, any commercial software even out there would be in existence without the open source community. Good point. Uh, you know, the downside is, we, we saw that with the log4j vulnerability like two years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, when basically an open source component was responsible for, you know, one of the biggest security incidents uh, ever, which ever happened. But the other side of the coin is that they're doing a lot of good stuff and they're helping a lot of people really getting good software uh, for no cost, essentially. Excellent. And, you know, the, the, the thing I like about open source, too, is that, yeah, th there are some bad actors in open source. You know, we look at chat GPT, uh, you know, for, for example, or open AI. Uh, they're supposed to be an open source, but th it's not really open source. But there but there's more instances of good open source projects than there are bad ones. And that's that's a good one to shout out to. Joe, you got one? You know, in, in general, I just wanted to say thank you to all the people who do, do that kind of work to make it easier for other people, right? Because society at large, said, I think we get tired of it. And for anybody trying to simplify it, kudos to you. Keep up the battle. Keep up the fight. What you do is important. Good one. Okay, so folks, that's it for our list of the most important. Uh, d dangerous people on the internet. Uh, I do want to uh, point out that we are going to be having a special issue near the end of this month at Cyber Protection Magazine, where we are going to make predictions for what's going to happen in cybersecurity in 2024. But here's the here's the the, the catch on, on this: we're moving to a subscription format. So if you want to get that special issue, you're going to have to pony up with. How much is it, Patrick? 25 bucks a year. That's 25 bucks a year to, he to hear what, not only what we are predicting, but what some major uh, uh, sources in the cybersecurity community are predicting. So if you want to find that out, get a subscription. And that's it for this week. Uh, this has been Crucial Tech with the entire Cyber Protection Magazine crew. Uh, this has been a Footwatching Media production. Thanks for listening.